If you're here tonight, it's because you love freedom. And if you love freedom, freedom loves you. We're one big happy family, and we're going on a crusade. You're the salt of the earth. You have faith in me, and I have faith in you. The faith of the free world is in your hands. Yeah! There are two dangers, my friends, and your own Stendhal understood them well. The Reds and the Blacks. All right, you're French, but you're white. This is the free world. We are surrounded by a Red Sea, a Red Sea of blood. Let us build a wall of dedicated men, a white wall of freedom. You are my white guard. Welcome to The Secret Cinema, the underground film podcast of the people. My name is Paolo Carone, my co-host is Carrie Chafee, and we're joined this week by our friend Josh Benson to discuss William Klein's 1968 anti-American comedy, Mr. Freedom. Before we get into it, this is our 30th episode, and so I wanted to celebrate with thank yous to our wonderful composer, Ricardo Ortiz, as well as our executive producer of sorts, Gary Carone, for continuing their excellent work behind the scenes. Also, thank you to our guests Jeff Cheney, Alex Carone, Emily Neal, Will Ackland, and Josh Benson for making every episode 33% more interesting and informative. Anywho, we don't really talk much about Mr. Freedom's director, William Klein, in this episode, but if you're interested in exploring his work further, the Eclipse box set of his delirious fiction films is still in print, and his documentary on Muhammad Ali, Float Like a Butterfly, Sting Like a Bee, is streaming right now on Amazon Prime. Also, Google his photography and artwork. Seeing as this is an audio podcast, we couldn't have done justice to those anyway. Now, here's Carrie with the plot summary. With a potential communist takeover of France on the horizon, the United States sends its finest hero, Mr. Freedom, overseas to fight the impending imperialism. Mr. Freedom takes on the FAF, or the French Anti-Freedom Organization, with all the stars and striped allies he can muster. Will this be his last mission, or will France let freedom ring? Above all else, Mr. Freedom is a critique of American jingoism. However, William Klein's primary satirical tool is cartoonish exaggeration, and feeding his critique through that filter creates a film universe where the political commentary is both immediately recognizable and pleasantly ridiculous. In our first clip, Mr. Freedom, played by John Abbey, is briefed on his mission by Dr. Freedom, played by Donald Pleasance, and the language and tone of the conversation is par for the whole film. Here's that clip. You have done your bit. I've done my best, sir. Yes. And you know that the world is divided in two parts. On the one side is right, and on the other side is wrong. Wrong is red. And right is? Red, white, and blue. Yes. And in the middle, we have the maybes and the don't knows. 
First, we have two objectives. Make the rats cry, Uncle. Uncle Sam. Yes. Then maybe the maybes and the don't knows will wake up and fight for right. For right is might, and might is... Freedom! Yes, sir. During our discussion, we make reference to several scenes in which we couldn't follow the dialogue or conversation, either due to the nature of the recording or the nature of the dialogue itself. In our second clip, you'll hear the opening minute of Mr. Freedom's meeting with semi-antagonist Mujik Man. It takes place in an underground tunnel which, due to the audio quality, should be immediately apparent. Here's that clip. I got to laugh. <laughs> Don't make such a face. Hey, hands off. I'm not kidding around. And our third and final clip, which takes place at a version of the United States Embassy that looks and acts exactly like a supermarket, should give you an idea of why even the clearly recorded dialogue was occasionally hard to follow. For context, Mr. Freedom is meeting with the United States Ambassador, but the squeaking noises on the soundtrack are the tennis shoes of a group of patriotic female dancers who follow and dance around the two men for the duration of the scene. Here's that clip, and we'll see you on the other side for our discussion of Mr. Freedom. Money is everything. Yes, girls, money is everything. Make some money today. Mr. Freedom. Hi, Mr. Freedom. Oh. It's Mr. Freedom. Mr. Freedom. Oh, Mr. Freedom. Hi, Mr. Freedom. Welcome, Mr. Freedom. I was just having to get him. Mr. Freedom, delighted. Uh, how are you? Permit uh, me. Well, how is uh, Dr. Freedom? Terrific. I'm sure. And uh, Batman and uh, John Wayne? Okay. But tell me, how are things going here? Oh, business as usual. The French have a certain culture, a uh, folklore, if you prefer. They have their language, uh, they're industrializing themselves, and, uh, well, they could be a great people, but they, uh, they understand very little about democracy. I'm bringing our story to the Try to plant a few ideas, but it's uh, it's not easy. Uh, well, at any rate, it's time that you got here. Um, uh, there's some who say that uh, freedom is slavery. Freedom. Well, perhaps they'd rather be the slaves of uh, Mujik men. Um, uh, some even want free elections. Uh, I I try to guide them, but it's a uh, a hopeless task. Uh, uh, they distort everything. They demonstrate. They make. Uh, Disgusting, unpatriotic remarks. <laughs> Prophets of doom. <laughs> Descent is fine, of course, but within limits. What the enemy doesn't understand is that democracy is based on debate. Yes. They see in every protest 
a collapse of morale and a diminishing resolve. On one hand, we have the warlord, Super Frenchman, and his uh, super ministers who, uh, who uh, cut us dead. On the other hand, we have the rabble, the uh, FAF terrorists who, uh, who terrorize us. <coughs> the FAF terrorists. Have you heard of them? The French anti-freedom terrorists? No, they're uh, mixed-up kids. FIF are mixed-up. Society and the family nucleus are disintegrating, and uh, Lugic and Red China are taking advantage of this, and they get these poor kids all worked up, and they believe that they're anti-freedom. They're the ones who got Captain Formid up. Well, it's possible. It's not exactly clear. Again, and we have a brand new guest. Guest, can you introduce yourself? Hello, uh, my name is Josh Benson, uh, and I like movies. Yes, thank Yay! you for coming, Josh. Josh and, is here. Uh, longtime fans of the podcast, please know that Josh is of no relation to Justin Benson. Uh, <laughs> a totally different guest. Uh, not no no crossover. This is not some sort of secret legacy deal. We got a brand new guest for a brand new movie. Two Bensons, two different movies. Mm, yeah. This I was going to say two different models. I called it brand new, but it's not even close to brand new. 1968's Mr. Freedom, directed by William Klein. And this is a, this is a very crazy movie. I had, not, I had seen this, I saw this in college because my good friend uh, at the Michigan Theater, Brent Ryu, described this movie to me as boo, 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 something along those lines. And, and so I had to watch it. <laughs> and it has maintained that reputation. Was that his way of just having fireworks go off? It was like, I think the idea was it was like a big band or like a parade. Just like ideas going in every direction and lights and colors and noise. Visual distractions. And yes. That, that, well, when I was in college, I did not watch this on drugs and I did not watch it with any <laughs> alcohol in my system. And it was, it was crazy then and, uh, and it is still crazy now. And I think... I definitely understood it way more this time, but uh, you're wiser. I, it's definitely it's. Not, I don't think it was a perfect movie, but there's a lot to enjoy. I'm definitely a lot to pick apart. So, uh, Carrie, what do you feel about this movie? I really liked it. I, you know, part of the way through the movie, I kind of thought about it as airplane with uh, like American satire because there's so many visual gags or like. Uh, jokes or, you know, over-the-top costumes or people being really ridiculous. But yeah, I really liked it. Alright. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And Josh, what'd you think of it? <laughs> yeah, I thought the same. Um, I, I'm just a fan of America in general, so uh, <laughs> that's why I chose this movie. I was like, this is gonna be way more fun. Um, and, like, all my friends are like, oh, know me as, like, wearing outrageous American things, whether it's socks or jackets or anything like that. <laughs> So, but I really like watching, like, I watched, like watching the movie and then watching what was happening be beyond the movie, like behind, like, the actual storyline, because there yeah. was a lot of, like, ooh, hidden, like, motifs and stuff like that, so. Yeah, but like I was saying, it's kind of like one of those movies where in the foreground, the action is happening, but in the background, if you pay attention to what's going on back there, you're like, what the it's just like subliminal on. messages of like America's terrible, and or stuff. like or weird like uh, girls in really skimpy outfits dancing, but not dancing like they're listening to music, dancing like 
they're tap dancing almost yeah. or jumping up and down. Oh, well, the, no. <laughs> the storyline, the storyline of this movie is certainly the least interesting part right. of it. Like yeah. it is very thin. And I know we've talked about this as like not being a big deal in other movies, like Office Killer comes to mind, but this, like, really the plot doesn't matter. I feel like there's a couple scenes where they were, like, characters were talking and we just had conversations <laughs> over because it just did we not miss matter. Anything yeah. That yeah. Well, and it, I don't know about you guys, but sometimes it was hard for me. I have a hard time if audio doesn't sync up with, like, yeah. people's mouths. Especially if they kind have accents. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's very easy. Yeah, it's very distracting mm -hmm. and... Um, it, it's just like, it's hard to pay attention when they're trying to be very, um, satirical and talk about, you know, America or France or freedom or whatever. And they're going on this long, long monologue, but the long monologue doesn't match up with their mouth. Like, so you're like, I'm listening, but I can't pay attention. Like there was that point where, where that little kid was talking, but he was talking, but some like probably like 37 year old mom was like talking over him yeah it's like america's bad like yeah okay like that's enough okay well what what would you guys say is like the if we're gonna just like really simply describe the action of the movie just so we can focus more on the details what exactly happens <laughs> like i i it seems like the way I, because we've seen, I've only seen this twice, and I probably, of and all I the movies. And Josh and I just only see it, saw it today. Yeah, yeah, and so of all the movies, this is probably the one we know the least about. Uh, even Dillinger is dead, I feel like I was a little more primed for it. Yeah. But with Mr. Freedom, it starts with this, uh, we are first introduced to Mr. Freedom at, like in his normal alter ego and he's a police officer the opening of the movie is like sirens and flames and police oh yeah and it's just like the oh, scene man, of american chaos like, I, like just, I was back in ferguson right? yeah, it just throws you right in and uh and we it cuts to this like what must be a police department and this sheriff with a big uh, ten gallon hat, and he has a cigar, and he's wearing like the bandolier of bullets <laughs> around yeah. his waist. And he walks in, and they, he like walks into this back room, and there's a, like a like the, the back room has like pictures of naked women everywhere, but there's this giant American flag, and he pushes the American flag to the side to reveal a secret it's, door. It's like a curtain. It's yeah. like curtains. It's like Batman opening up his lair to all like his secret. <laughs> yeah. Like, I actually thought that maybe when he was pulling the curtain back. But it was going to be one of those beds that comes down from the wall. Yeah. <laughs> like he was going to go to sleep. But it's a closet with his Mr. Freedom costume in it. Along with like a, a tricky dick mask. And like, like a mask that looked like a clear see-through Sammy Davis Jr. mask. <laughs> or like cyber, uh, cybers, sabers and machine guns and, and all sorts and, of stuff. And yeah. I liked how it, there were outlines of where each, each <laughs> yeah, weapon goes. Forgot, like, 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 oh, is this where my gun goes, or is this where, where my knife? Where did I put my machete? Yeah. yeah, it's supposed to be right here. It's like it's Dad's garage. Yeah, yeah, like the the chalk outline. But so, Mr. Freedom, and I should say that this opening part of the movie, this is a this movie is made in French, uh, in in France, I should say. It's mostly in English, but it's made in France. But this opening sequence is presumably taking place in America because what happens is after Mr. Freedom puts on his outfit. And, of course, looks in the mirror and yells, FREEDOM! Ah! Whatever. That's, like, that's, like, that's like the first that's line like of the movie is him yelling, FREEDOM! But um, 
he goes to this, like, there's this black family having a dinner, and <laughs> Mr. Freedom so comes through the window and is, like, saying they they were looting. And I, what, did they actually loot anything? I they weren't doing anything. They were having dinner they were just and having listening. They some salt food. Yeah, yeah they were listening like, to the temptation. He says, he says they looted, and it was like, the movie at no point shows us any evidence that <laughs> these, these uh, black yeah. people did anything wrong. But Mr. Freedom busts through the window and, like, shoots their TV and then shoots one of the black people in the hand and then just kind of, like, it seems like... Raheem, and he shoots more of them yeah, and he then leaves. leaves. The shot, like, closes up so it's just Mr. Freedom and he just, like, fires a few He's like, around. here's a gift from Freedom. Pow, pow, pow! Yeah, and then there's, like, some crying <laughs> off yeah. screen. End of scene. They're never touched on mm-hmm. again. And Mr. Freedom from here... He goes he, to freedom, the freedom building. Yeah, he goes to the Freedom Building, and he's escorted by this woman who's wearing. I can only describe it as um, a costume you'd wear if you were throwing a baton in a parade on Fourth yes. of July. And she escorts him to the elevator, and in the elevator is when he talks to Doctor Freedom. Oh, I thought it was when he got to the top. To when he got to the but he, Freedom. Well, but you notice he pushes the button to talk to Doctor Freedom, and there's no. Uh, motion that he goes up or down or anything. He stays in the elevator. Well, there's a lot of shots like the, that in this yeah. movie well, where anyway, it's like kind of tough to tell. Regardless, anyway. so he talks to Dr. Freedom. <laughs> Dr. Freedom lets him know Dr. That- Freedom, by the way, is Donald Pleasance of... Uh, we thought of him from Puma Man because we just watched that Mystery Science Theater episode. But he's also the doctor in Halloween. He's in... He's a bad guy in a James Bond movie. He's in a lot of stuff. He's yeah. uh, but he, So it's very weird to see him in this <laughs> movie. Yeah, so Dr. Freedom lets Mr. Freedom know, which, does that mean they're related? Uh, <laughs> Same last I name. I think it's like James Bond where you, like, inherit the name. Oh, and, okay. Like, that sort of thing. He's like, he's uh, like the, he, he is like the M to, to do that. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah that, that's a good person. But so Dr. Freedom says, hey, look, the Mr. Freedom that we sent to France, he is... Captain Formidable. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which, like, it's not as great as Mr. Freedom. Like, it's just, like, Captain Great, like, he's okay. Like, it wasn't, like, the most amazing guy. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah, so he goes, he gets sent to France, and basically he... After that, I, I don't remember the segue well, what of... they what they said is essentially, like... They make this very explicit comparison where Dr. Freedom is saying, like, what is happening in France right now is that the communists are going to take over France. And if France falls to the communists, then we Europe, lose Europe. Europe will fall. Basically, it's, keep in mind, this is 1968. This is, like, as blatant of a Vietnam parallel as possible. Uh, like, yeah. as for the intended viewer of this movie, it is, like, everything about this is, like, what if France was Vietnam? Yeah. Like what if what if America treated France the way it treats Vietnam? Yeah. And so basically Mr. Freedom is assigned to basically be the one man equivalent of the US military yeah, the- go to France and personally fight the communist uh not really takeover, but I guess infiltration of Paris. Yeah, one of the objectives that Dr. Freedom says was that they want to make the Reds cry uncle, and then Mr. <laughs> yeah. Freedom says, Uncle Sam! Yeah. Oh my god, there's so many great I feel like, political one-liners. I feel like the director sat down and was like, okay, I'm going to think of every possible word that I can associate with America, 
or with the United States. Like his bolo tie. Yeah, like. he threw in everything. Like there's a like there's um there's the KKK. Yeah. Like they say Uncle Sam. This and- movie is like like the ironic version of the comments on any Fox News article. Like it's like so so bombastic and like like the characters. Are, Mr. Freedom is so racist and yeah. so yeah. sexist. Yeah, and he says we'll. He sings this song where he spells freedom, but he spells it with S R E E D D O M. Spells freedom. And they do yeah. it multiple times. It's definitely so, not a mistake. So an extra D in freedom, but he also says we'll always beat him with Star Spangled Freedom. Yeah. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. But so he gets to France. He ends up meeting up with this woman, Marie Madeline. Yeah, who is... Played by Delphine Seyrig? I'm probably getting her last name pronounced wrong. She's uh, in Last Year at Marion Bad. She's Jeannie Dealman in Jeannie Dealman. She's in The Discreet Charm of the Bourgeois. She's a a great French actress. And again, it's... All these people are very weird to see in this very silly movie. Yeah. Yeah, and so she, she gets Mr. Freedom indoctrined into the freedom movement in France... And they're fighting against the FAF, which is French, French anti- anti-freedom. Yeah, French anti-freedom yeah. organization. Um, and they, I mean, I wrote down some of the things they say, like, the French are the white man's burden. Yeah. <laughs> or anti-freedomism is at an all-time high. <laughs> anti-freedomism? It's like freedomism, yeah. And he just goes on this rant about America and how we get what we want and we pay for it, and if there's too much, we burn it. Yeah. yeah. We yeah. don't give it to anyone. Yeah. We get it, and then we keep it. That's what, one of the things he says. But yeah, and then they, he's got a bunch of goonies in the French Freedom uh, Alliance, like Dick Terrific. <laughs> Jack Detergent. Yeah, J- yeah, Jack Detergent, Roger Dropout, Freddy Freak. Mr. Drugstore. Oh, and so many good band names. Yeah. Roger Dropout is, like, such a great 90s yeah. band name. <laughs> like, Harvey Just Danger like... could have been called Roger Dropout. <laughs> he probably still would have sang Flagpole Setup. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It wouldn't have changed anything. But I'm, I'm kind of realizing now that this is my problem with the plot, is that what we where we've gotten to now, there's basically no more... That was more, 20 minutes in. That was, there's, like, really no more specific like, complex plot to let you know. Like, everything that we told you is on screen, but it basically just sets up the world for the rest of the movie, where this, like, essentially Mr. Freedom tries to fight the symbols of communism, (laughs) and he gets his followers, and then he gets double-crossed by Marie Madeline, who's actually part of the French anti-freedom force. She's in the FAF. And then... Because they think the anti-freedom people are going to win, they just nuke France. Yeah. <laughs> the movie ends with, like, everybody they, dead. Yeah, they nuke all of France. They, like, yeah. three or four places. They Within, like, like, a span of, like, 60 seconds. Yeah. They're like, hey, half of France is gone. Yeah, they did, just like, Paris and Le Havre, and uh, I think they bombed by Geneva. Yeah, yeah they yeah. bombed, like, really quickly. And uh, so, but, like, I, They had one of those nice, um, like, Doctor Strange Love maps, where it was yeah. there were lights, and when well, the and bomb went those... off, it was like, boom! But you notice, like, when the bomb went off, the map caught on fire, too, and I was like, what is the mechanism? Cool map. (laughs) Very interactive. But yeah, honestly, that, everything we've said is the plot. Like, and so everything... Yeah, well, so the takeaway is not the plot. Yeah, exactly. You don't watch this movie because you're like, I want to watch a great narrative. Yeah. Yeah. And 
visually, and there's obviously just like constant, just an onslaught of. It's, I don't even say satire, because satire suggests, like, a subtlety to it. It's like a political sledgehammer yeah. of a movie. Of just, like, okay, like, we get the, we get the metaphor. Uh, America is a bully, and France is Vietnam, and it just kind of... The, and freedom it, is overrated. It literalizes, <laughs> it literalizes American imperialism as this man, Mr. Freedom, and then kind of redefines the rest of the world in Mr. Freedom's image. So everything is equally as absurd. It's not like we're seeing, like, this crazy Mr. Freedom unleashed into the real world. Everybody is as wacky as Mr. Freedom is. But do you think that the the political commentary in the movie is successful? Like, do you think that it has merit or that it's doing a then, good job? I think back then they were more susceptible to be like, oh, I guess I guess that's kind of true. Like, this everything could have been propaganda, and people back then in 1968 could have been like, oh, I I guess so. Because they didn't have the internet, right? Well, yeah. So they like, this must be what America's like. And again, if you think of this in terms of the fact that this is a French movie, and so the primary audience and What's primary French? mindset right. is France, this came out, in, or at least was made in 1968, and I can't go too much into detail, but a uh, listener, you should look this up. May 1968 in France was one of the biggest... Uh, political upheavals in, like, recent history. Like, uh, I don't know if you guys know this, but the Cannes Film Festival was canceled that year mm. because of how bad oh, wow. the political protests were. There's millions, millions of people were protesting. And, so that's um, where all the footage was from. And, yeah, yeah, exactly. But a lot of that is, like, it's anti-capitalist, consumerist sentiment. Like, mm. it's the youth are protesting. And um, if you've ever seen, like, recently, there's been a lot of movies that come out about, like, French youths in the 60s and 70s. Like, I don't know if you remember Something in the Air that came out a few years oh, ago. Okay. That was about this era that this movie comes out of. And huh. so the audience for this movie in the time is, like, already 100% on board with this right. movie. Sure. This is not a movie that's even remotely designed to... <laughs> to sway you to its argument, it is for it is preaching to the choir by by design. Yeah, and so well, let's so let's get a little into the the director because that's part of the what's interesting to me is he is an American. Yeah, and he made this movie because he uh, lived in France at the time and he was you know seeing what was happening in Vietnam and was like I had, this is not good. No. Yeah. <laughs> But the other thing that I think is really interesting about him is, like, he's not known primarily as a filmmaker. So he must have, mm -hmm. this must have been a real passion project for him if he spent... Well, I mean, we see it. He was a, uh, what was he again? He was a fashion photographer. Right, and so we see primarily. it throughout. I, it's not a very good comparison, but I thought about Clockwork Orange during this movie because of how vibrant oh, the yeah. colors were and everything. Oh, and, and the costumes, too, because of all right, the Right, they're so outrageous and yeah. just, like... Yeah. No, yeah, yeah. No, that's a good comparison because yeah. in Clockwork Orange they wear those like uh, and they had a white weird helmet too. I think part of that. Yeah, they yeah. have the bowler hats yeah. and yeah, the costumes in this movie are really what I mean. Yeah. I loved seeing all the costumes. Oh yeah, I'm a big ages. sucker for that stuff. Yeah. And France is really good at doing that. Right. Well, and not just that too, but like. The people are so in this movie so willing to like fully embrace this <laughs> yeah. like this like feel and the sensibility this movie has. Like I think of the woman who's wearing 
for a bra, the sh- the shoulder, the football pads, and then while she's celebrating, her boobs just, pop out, and so she keeps doing the scene, and, and then, then like, she's like oh, and some shit. other guy like helps her like get back in. <laughs> like that type of stuff just casually yeah. happens in the background of scenes. There wasn't like enough budget to be like, all right, we need to reshoot that scene. Your, your, yeah. your boobs came out. Like yeah, no, they it's probably just, like. They probably have that freedom room for like two days. Right. They're like, all right, gotta <laughs> right. knock this out. <laughs> Freedom room. All right. Well, it was a freedom yeah, room. No, it was. It was yeah. a big neon, neon letter sign. And it sign. was painted red, white, and blue. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was, I mean, honestly, the real reason to pay, to watch this movie is the visuals and all the, the gags. Like, the, just, the, um... Jesus and uh, yeah, let's talk Mary. about Jesus and Mother Mary. Okay. Yeah, let's let's talk about that scene in general because there are so many crazy of... characters that are introduced to that. Got scene. Mujik yeah. Man, Mujik Man, uh, Red China Man, and Jesus and his mother. <laughs> yeah, up. and I don't really remember. I guess does Mister Freedom go? He goes down into this like well, subway yeah. tunnel. First, Mister Freedom goes and meets with Super French Man, who is like <laughs> this balloon whose arms are permanently. Just, just just think of wacky inflatable arm guy, yeah. and that's kind of like in red, white, and blue French attire. But yeah. not wacky. Yeah, like, not inflatable wacky Inflatable arm guy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And he's a French flag. And he has these, they like... They have weird... a lot of that, like, putting their arms up in the movie. Yeah, and he's, he's in a room... I think it's it, is the joke because they're in the presence of Mr. Freedom, and so they're like feel like they're being held hostage automatically. Because uh, well, he goes to talk with Super French Man, and Super French Man, like, floats up into the ceiling, and then he ends up, like... He ends up putting on, like, crazy glasses, like, those, like, uh, x-ray eye glasses. Just think of something that you would buy at, like, a a gag, a magic gag store, like, those, like, hypnotizing glasses. (laughs) He puts those on and kills, like, knocks, yeah, knocks unconscious all of the security guards except for one who he gets, like, water from a flower in a scene that makes no sense to me at all. (laughs) Doesn't (laughs) one of them say, like, I can feel the freedom like, yeah something like that yeah it, it, and then the, the whole room is painted like the french flag and these guys I, I, I can't even really describe them they're like they look like i don't want to say they're like jim henson type characters because they're not they're way you know they kind of reminded me i feel like there were a couple movies i thought of when when i saw those costumes because yeah they they're like big inflated almost um like dilbert looking characters yeah, yeah and their head is hidden but yeah, they kind of yeah. reminded me of like um, Brazil or uh, yeah, Fifth Element with mm-hmm. like um, just yeah. big soldier type people that are clearly just towering over anybody yeah. who would come near them. Yeah. But they don't have faces either. But okay, so after that scene, uh, somehow that leads to him going into the subway to meet Mujik Man. But on the way in, I did. I wrote this down because I couldn't really quite figure out what the movie was trying to say with this. On the way into the subway, he passes this, like, there's, like, this yeah. this little opening, and there's the sign that says, the colonized people break their chains, and next to the sign is a, a black man who is clearly supposed to be a slave with broken chains just standing there next to and the was side. He, was he supposed to be like a statue? Or? Uh, yeah, I thought he, it looked like or he was, was clearly supposed to be like a real man. Yeah. Like, yeah, was he, there. Because his eyes he... moved, like watched Mr. Freedom <laughs> as he went by, so like if he was a statue, he failed at that. But, and then Mr. Well, Freedom, that was, everybody was yeah, failing at that yeah. in this movie. Mr. Freedom looks at okay. this man and just goes like, huh, and chuckles, and then walks away, so I was like, is that, is like, Mr. Freedom like, laughing at like the idea of Colonized people breaking like, their chains, like, but isn't there another egg like person who's also a stand-in, like a museum, 
and One he's holding a sign, that, right? or was it before or after? I could, I didn't write it down, but there's, there's somebody. A lot of stuff I like thought that. at first when he was entering the subway that he was going into some kind of museum mm. because of the you know the colonized people break their chains. I don't know about the other one. I I just remember that one just because it's so pointedly too. related yeah. to the political yeah. content, um, especially like we're talking about colonized people and we're we're talking about put put this in terms of Vietnam again, sure, like things like that. Uh, but so he goes down and. He meets Mujik Man, and Mujik Man has a similar, like, plush, inflated outfit, but you can actually like make out inflatable his... sumo suit, almost. Yeah! <laughs> but it's red. It's just, like, yeah. solid red. Um, it's like if you, uh, you took a Mountie uh, costume, and then you pulled, and a, like... pulled a string, and it inflated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But what did he and Mujik Man talk about? That was one of those scenes where we zoned out. Yeah, because this is <laughs> the there thing. Was nothing important. Like on on top of everything, this scene also has. So we we noticed a few scenes in particular have really bad audio, and unfortunately, this scene with all these like amazing characters uh, is one of them. But the, it has like it's audio recorded in a subway, and so there's like very echoey, uh, very echoey, and then one of the characters, Mujik Man is dubbed and he's whoever dubbed him speaks with an accent and so it just like so many layers so it's like whatever the conversation was it clearly isn't important enough where we couldn't follow the movie uh but whatever the political subtext of what they're saying is lost because we missed the text of yeah. what the conversation yeah, during, was during when they were talking i looked up what mujik meant and it's like russian peasant so oh, it's huh. like looking down upon this these Russian people. I felt like, or something like that. Yeah, yeah. another slam on communism. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, and then the Jesus and Mary show up before Red China Man, right? Yeah, just right. Before. I think so. Yeah. And so and again, and they're dressed, out of nowhere, right? Yeah. And they're dressed just like Jesus like and Mother Jesus. Mary. Yeah. And he, doesn't Jesus tell his mom to shut up at one point? Some, he says something. He says some, like, very... He's like, stereoty- mom, please. He says very, a very stereotypical <laughs> Jesus thing. And and then his mom says something else from the Bible, and he says, mom, please. Like, it, like <laughs> just something like that. But again... I don't have uh, it's I, I don't remember why they showed up because no I had no reason. idea what the conversation was anyway yeah. and so the context is lost like for me um but then Red China Man shows up and who wants to describe Red China Man just think like if in those one of those Chinese per- New Year's parades one of those dragons think of those as blown up as part of like your Christmas ornament ornament out on your front yeah line. yeah like yeah. that it's large too. but like as big as a house yeah way too big yeah like almost like red china man it seems like you could open you could walk inside of it and like there'd be kids like doing moon bounce it's, <laughs> yeah. it's like that but or it's it has, a maze but it, it's like a big it has a big dragon face with like eyes that have lights in them yeah, and like so flowers just shooting smoke. out of his nose yeah. to make like yeah, a smoke so effect. just to be clear Red China Man is not a man it's a it's inflatable a dragon and it's the size we should we mentioned that this is in the subway and Red China Man is like almost the size of like a subway you can't get by. yeah and smoke's coming out of his nostrils yeah well flower like we said oh flower that's right yeah, but and then they talk, and I don't know what they talk Again, about yeah. either. So this is really the dilemma of this movie, where it's like I can't fully say I love this movie as much fun and as it is, and how weird it is, is because every time they go to have like a conversation between two people, the movie kind of stops dead. I wonder if we'd get more out of it if we watched it with subtitles. 
Maybe, but it's it's so it's it's I so dense. Look everywhere though. I wouldn't want to be reading. Yeah, it's also. so visual. I think it has that. Yeah. It has that like it has that same quality that frustrates me in Godard, where he's like really, he really presumes that your interest in the politics like goes as far as his does, uh-huh. and so there's like I said because nothing that they say is really necessary to follow the plot. We can follow. You could almost. I mean, really, you could probably mute this movie and you would miss some things, but you could follow the the broad plot line of it because everything happens so broadly. Even, like, the characters... Yeah. It would almost be a funny movie to put on at a 4th of July party on mute. Like, think of the scene where, like, Mr. Freedom... There's a scene where Mr. Freedom has... He's laying in bed. He somehow ended back up with Marie Madeline and she's, like, bringing him back to health in her house or her apartment, and he's laying in bed, and he suddenly started bleeding. He has, like, stigmata for some reason. Both of his hands are bleeding, and he has, like, that... Like, oh, I, the, think, I think this was a Jesus motif, too. Yeah, right? it was because like... It, yeah. Exactly, yeah. He has the, the Roman soldier spear wound yeah. on the side, and, then, and he's like, I'm bleeding, and, and Marie Madeline says, you're tired. It's just tired blood, which is such a weird idea. Yeah. I don't know what that means. But, so she feeds him, she gets out this, she's like, I'll make you a big American breakfast, and then pulls out, like, the largest box of cornflakes corn Rice Krispies. It's like a box that is both... Somehow, but yeah. when she pours it, it's all cornflakes. But it says both on the box, and it's like this box is larger than a box that you would even see at Costco. Like it is so it's like three feet tall, <laughs> yeah. and um, and so she pours this giant bowl of cornflakes, and then pours some milk in it. And Not some never- milk. He was like, "Don't put too much milk; it'll make it soggy." And yeah. She's like, "All right," blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and then just dumps a bunch of sugar on it, and then puts the bowl directly under his neck, and then just starts shoveling. He's like, "Too much, too much," and she and just she's keeps like, going. Keep eat, eat one for freedom, <laughs> eat one for independence. I wonder and- if that's a comment on American gluttony. Yeah, yeah. Carrie, <laughs> just a little bit. <laughs> but then, after as soon as she finishes, he sits up. And, like, it gets... And you don't need to know what the dialogue is to see that, like, she fed him a giant box of cornflakes <laughs> yeah. and suddenly he has energy again. Like, it's always stuff like that. But the dialogue ends up getting bogged down in, like... Because, again, it's... This isn't real world. Nothing in this movie is real world. And so these conversations aren't, like, political satire where we're like, oh, I can transpose this action to something. It's like... It's it's conversations about symbolic representations of things yeah. in an already cartoonic hyper cartoonish hyperbolic universe. I think the most successful scenes in the movie for me are the scenes where the set plays into whatever's happening yeah. in the movie. There are like large sets in this movie. Yeah, but even I was just thinking about the scene where he first meets. Uh, Madeline in the hotel room and she's talking to him about the freedom movement (laughs) and he goes out on the balcony and he's standing next to this window washer and the window washer's slowly moving like further and further down the balcony because Mr. Freedom is walking down the balcony and then Mr. Freedom throws him off the balcony. (laughs) Yeah, for no reason. Yeah. I assumed it was like, oh, he's a spy or something. Throughout the movie, Mr. Freedom's just killing random people. He's like, no witnesses. Yes. When he first shows up in France, he like, because as you pointed out, the very first shot of France is the Eiffel Tower (laughs) to be like, yes, French people, we all can agree that this is France. And um, (laughs) and there's some Asian tourists, like, there's a dad taking a picture of his wife and children and Mr. Freedom walks up to the dad and karate chops him in the neck and steals his camera and walks away. Like, yeah. And there's 
later scene where Mr. Freedom... And he just, like, knocks people down all the Mr. time. Mr. Freedom kills two people in his hotel room, and then when he leaves, he leaves the bodies for the maid yeah. to clean up, and there's no, like, recompense or anything from yeah. that. But there's... That's um, also a really weird scene. He makes the maid eat the eggs that she brought, and yeah. then they're poison? Yeah, they're poison Which, eggs, but she also gonna strips... Be some, there's gonna be some subtext there that I was not getting. There, yeah, there does seem to be, like, a lot of stereotypes about America from France that are, like, I'm sure, like, we're... Like, I mean, the, the breakfast was bacon and eggs, so... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, I do agree that, like, the best scenes are, like, are production design, or they're scenes centered around a monologue. Because when one person is just monologuing, it's way easier to follow, and even if you don't get every line, like, I think of the scene where, um where Mr. Freedom shows up at the rally, where we're first introduced to Jack Detergent and Roger Dropout and Mr. Drugstore, and he goes up on stage and he gives that monologue about, like, I come from America. When I was a kid, I worked in the sewers, but then they closed the sewers down. (laughs) My Palm Beach was Hell's Kitchen. Yeah, like all that stuff where it's just, like, amazing one-liners, one after another, (laughs) of just, like, just, like, the most sarcastic, ironic, like, mockery of American, Mm -hmm. like, cliches. It's really amazing and then this audience full of like super excited people and I couldn't help but think of the idea of us like in this scene this perfectly cap- encapsulates um like this idea of the, well yeah this idea of like American propaganda of like okay. yeah of course we can do it and like we will just say everything because yeah Americans can do anything and we have that uh, like stick and we have power and there's so many of us and then cut to like like, later in the movie, and they're, like, so easily double-crossed and attacked, and, like, usually... Naive. Yeah, they're naive. They don't necessarily do things the right way. Um, Like, there's there's so much about this, but, like, when they're all together and there's no outside opposition to argue with, it's just, like, rah, 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 just... And then, it's like, I thought about that, too, with the scene you're talking about when Marie's kid... <laughs> sees Mr. Freedom is like Mr. Freedom. He's a bad man. He's a fascist. Hey, sh- no, get out. America's good. It, it just made me think of all the times where, like, I mean, especially this is really happening a lot now with Trump. But it also reminded me with George W. Bush, like right after nine eleven, when people be like, "Uh, why did you? I don't think you, you should have done that." And people be like, "How dare you ask him that question? He's a great man. He's fighting a war. You can't ask him we questions like that." We need to be like united. Exactly. Yeah. And so, like, watching that, no like, opinions where the, where the kid is calling Mr. Freedom a fascist. And his yeah. own mother is like, get out of the room. I don't know why he acts like that. I was well, like, no, oh we, my god. We do know how <laughs> now because we know. she was a part of the FBI. Yeah, yeah, she was a double agent. Yeah. yeah. When there is like a, a moment like that, I feel like the the again, the political sledgehammer breaks through the wall. Oh the, yeah. yeah. One one of my favorite scenes, which is definitely banging you over the head with uh what you're supposed to think about it, was when he go, Mr. Freedom goes to visit the U.S. I was, yeah, I was, I was gonna say that. Yeah. <laughs> it's so good. It's basically like a Walmart. Like. Yeah, they're walking through aisles of goods. Oh, yeah. and my favorite detail was again in another scene where the conversation that is happening. Oh, does not matter. Is Mr. Freedom is talking to the guy at the U.S. Embassy, and I couldn't tell you most of what he said, no, no. but I did remember a few things because. Every once in a while, the the guy at the U.S. Embassy would say something, and then the the speaker at the mm. at the yeah. supermarket would come over and like repeat it as if it was like an announcement clearance. But like the one I remembered is um is the the guy at the U.S. Embassy saying, to "Mr. Freedom, democracy is based on debate." And I was like, Shh, 
democracy is based on debate. <laughs> Complaining over the radio. Like, oh, we're supposed to think that. Yeah. Okay. And then also, I did write down that the guy says to Mr. Freedom, they, about the French, and think about this in, like of an American saying about any country, they could be a great people, but they understand so very little about democracy. <laughs> and I remember, like, oh, like, one of the things I wrote down is the U.S. ambassador says to Mr. Freedom, so how are Batman and John Wayne? Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, and also, in the, that scene, you mentioned this earlier, but that scene is when all the women are just dancing. Or, like, yeah. The whole time Mr. Freedom Bouncing and the, the and ambassador down. are walking through the U.S. embassy, a.k.a. the supermarket, Mr. Freedom is like looking at products on the shelf and like the products are stacked blatantly it is like overwhelming yeah. how much like capitalism a, is think on of display. like a dollar store that's way too stocked and things are just like yeah. everywhere yeah uh, exactly i've and definitely been in that yeah. dollar store it's like a, it's dollar like a store. warehouse <laughs> dollar store it's like yeah. a costco dollar store but um the whole time they're wandering through there's these five women who are just like not dancing, but like sort of like bounce, bounce. tap, bounce, jumping with like their hands up and they have like tap, these like, bounce, jumping. Tap, bounce, jumping. Throughout yeah. the movie, you see these types of women with just like stars on their boobs yeah. or like vagina and, and we're like, oh, that's what you're trying to yeah, say. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. I get it. But also, I did notice that at the very end when uh, Mr. Freedom leaves, the U.S. ambassador calls one of the women Miss Westmoreland, a reference to William Westmoreland, one of the generals who fought in the Vietnam War, which oh, was like wow. very weird. Yeah. It was like it's I don't necessarily know what the explicit political joke is, but it's like the weird mix of like pointed political criti- critiques and things that are also like here, just like fill in the blanks with more political yeah. material. One of the other things that the US ambassador says to Mr. Freedom is at the end when he like checks out of the US embassy and he has that bag full of goods. He shows him a few people, and one of the things he points at, he's like, oh, these are our ideological services. They do very well. We send them all over the world. And it's like soldiers. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like but the idea that the soldiers... And like two men in black. Yeah. Too. <laughs> yeah. Like agents. It's like the idea that soldiers and spies are doing that them. ideological but also, yeah, work. Yeah, they're a product. Yeah. They're yeah. a product at the supermarket. I just yeah. picture like, them like on an assembly line, yeah. and then they're like, all right. Yeah, ship them out to wherever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I thought that I thought that scene was it was very pointed, but I thought it was really funny. I I laughed when they they showed that the U.S. embassy was a supermarket. Yeah. <laughs> also, I wrote on this exchange, and it's very similar. But there's a, another scene, or maybe it's the first scene. But Mr. Freedom and Mujik Man are talking, and Mr. Freedom says to Mujik Man, "No rewards for aggression." And Mujik Man says, hypocrite. And Mr. Freedom responds, watch your language. <laughs> I thought that was a really good, yeah. <laughs> like, it's, like there's, it's, it's obvious what they're going for with mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One of the other really blatant uh, imagery themes of the movie that I saw was sports. Yes. Because all the costumes have, like, padding or helmets or gloves or whatever. I mean, except for the women. The women never really get to wear any of the padding, <laughs> no. except for that one woman. Yeah, They're cheerleaders. The, the they dress like cheerleaders yeah. for the sports I mean, sports one woman team. was just wearing, like, a, yeah. po- a clear poncho. Like, yeah. It was like, <laughs> all right. Yeah. <laughs> was she the woman that was getting drowned yeah. in the bathroom? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but she was getting drowned by the guy wearing the Breakfast of Champions 69 t-shirt, <laughs> which is such a good shirt. We yeah, gotta have that shirt. Yeah, yeah. I, really I gotta make that, that shirt. shirt. That could be, we should sell that t-shirt. <laughs> yeah, done. Oh yeah, the Secret Cinema Store is now open. If you're listening, nice plug. I yeah. like that. Oh. <laughs> Segway. 
Yeah, I I really and all the sports imagery of like the baseball and the football metaphors and like everything was kind of like a, a pep rally for yeah, Mr. Freedom. It's perfect to bring that up. I actually wouldn't. I didn't even think of that, but it is. It so thoroughly so fits the political metaphor of there is no gray area. It's us versus them. Yeah, we're it's, a team. Like they at one point they described because it's the the conflict basically boils down to the Reds uh, versus the Americans. At one point, they even say in the beginning, wrong is red, right is red, white, and blue. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's... But Which is funny because the French flag is red, white, and blue. Right. Exactly, yeah. There's, there's so much stuff like that, but it's like laying out the clear idea of, like, uh, there's there's good and bad. There's, like, a your team, and there's anyone who's not on your team is against your team. Yeah. And, uh... Like they say, at one point they even say, like, let dogs eat dogs. Like, if they don't, in reference to, if they don't want our help, they're dogs. And Mm. and people who don't want our help can fend for themselves because they're not on our team. We take care of those who take care of us. I think they even say something along those lines, literally, Mm. in the movie. Like, yeah, so the foot, the sports thing is very pointed. And they don't... And they're wearing uniforms, which uniforms are also... Not only about sports, but they have to do with the military, with, you know, all the jobs in America where you have to wear a specific uniform. Yeah, the implication, too, being that, like, the military is is another team. Conformity is important. Yeah, there's, there's, yeah, a lot of good visual linking. And, yeah, as a fashion photographer, he's doing an amazing job of using costume and production design to further his metaphors and his, like, subtext or text, I guess, in this case. So, just, uh, I want to bring this up while I'm thinking of it. I found out that, actually, William Klein, so, yeah, he is a fashion photographer, but he started his career as a painter, Hmm. and he studied under Ferdinand Ferdinand, uh, Legere. Oh, wow. Or Leger, is that how you say it? I'm always bad with French names. But he, uh, we just watched a movie of his. Oh, yeah, we just watched Ballet Mechanique. Yeah. And he was, like, this experimental um, artist film. He he was mostly known as a, fa- uh, a famous painter, but he did a few movies with, like, Man Ray and... Who was one of the other people he did the I movie can't remember. With? Ballet Mechanique has a lot of uh, great names. Oh, it's it, beautiful. The, yeah. You should watch it. Yeah. But, um, but, yeah, so I just thought that was really interesting, too, that he, he has that painting background, and that, I think, is why the credits are painted. Yeah, they're the actually... Like, really Yeah, they're yeah like, they were beautiful. It even looked like... I, were they painted? It looked like, to a certain marker? extent, they were, like, hand-drawn. Yeah, yeah that's possible. It looked possible. like marker, almost. Yeah. yeah. It's possible. But it's, yeah, it's definitely, like... You can tell... Like it, I, I noticed, too, at the end credits, it doesn't say written and directed by William Klein. It says written, directed, and designed mm. by William oh. Klein, which really suggests, like... Like the the level that he of cons- did a lot of the sets. Yeah, and the level of consistency to the art direction is mm-hmm. like it really seems like one man's vision for yeah. this. Well, yeah, and you already got your Halloween costume. <laughs> oh hell yeah, <laughs> Michelin Rainbow Man. <laughs> so does that mean I get to be Mr. Freedom? No, I mean we we agree the Michelin Rainbow Man costume would be pretty tough to to do. There's God. There's so many great costumes. There's all that miss the Freedom. Parka. Yeah, I just wanted the onesie that was, it it just (laughs) said freedom, and it was like jaggedly red, white, and blue. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that was great. Yeah. Um, Polly, you brought this up during the movie, but you said that this reminded you a lot of Putney Swope. Oh, yeah. And actually, I think Putney Swope 
either came out like the year after or like right, right in the same out. window. Yeah. And it is like similarly like using like a lot of advertising language and like these like cliches of Americana to like viciously critique yeah. uh, America. Oh, I love Punny Swope. Punny Swope is if so If you haven't seen funny. it, try and find it. It's uh, Robert it's, Downey Sr. Well, and just like Mr. Freedom, Mr. Freedom is a Criterion Eclipse label release, and so is Putney Swope. Oh. Um, and, but, so both of these movies are very similar in, uh, in that level of they're also fairly obscure, underappreciated, but very worth seeking out. That would be a great double didn't, feature. Didn't you say that Louis is like very seriously... Louis uh, C.K., I believe, said Putney Swope is his favorite movie, or at least the movie that taught him how to direct. And if you watch like the first there's 10 so many... minutes of Putney Swope, you're like, yes, I've seen this. Yeah, <laughs> there's so many rip-offs on Louis, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but that movie is really worthy of being ripped off, though. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, so one of the other things I read about this movie is that the most famous review of this movie says that this is conceivably the most anti-American movie ever made. <laughs> Do you guys agree? Do you think that's true? It could be, there could be a way, I feel like I might have even seen a more yeah, anti-American movie. Something like that. But yeah, it's, I'm trying to, yeah, it's, because there's got, it's, it's, this is a, a French movie. There has to be other French movies yeah, that are Yeah, and one, well, America has definitely done some really bad shit, so. But even just, like, in terms maybe of. Maybe, like, 12 years is later. Like, this movie, I would say, is, yeah. <laughs> this movie is too fun yeah, to really be, that's like. That's what my, it's this yeah. so colorful and everything, you're, you're looking past the anti-Americanism and seeing just, like, oh, this is, like, really fun to watch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And silly. Yeah. And, and funny. Like, there has to be an anti-American movie that is just, like, like, the equivalent of something like like a Holocaust movie, where right. it's just, like, look at the human wreckage in America. I, I they're yeah, they me, what is this movie? Have they made a Trail of Tears movie? Or just, like, it's, it's gonna drive us crazy. I'm sure if we think of it, we'll put it in the opening notes of the episode. Like but, a uh, more anti-American movie? Yeah, but, um... God, but yeah, at the same yeah, time, though, there is a lot of stuff, like, that I, that makes me, I looked at my notes, and it did, this makes me think of the moment where they're, like, they're going into the final stages of their plan to, like, defeat the communist infiltration, and there's a scene where Mr. Freedom and Marie are on a rooftop, and there's, like, they're watching this, like, crowd cross the street, and oh, Mr. Yeah. Freedom says, like, phase two, harass the population. And then, like, takes a machine gun and just, like, fires it aimlessly <laughs> into, the into the crowd and starts laughing. Like, that sort of stuff is pretty... I mean, like, if you're really taking it as political critique, yes. It's not a yeah, well, political critique. And that's critique. kind of the moment with the giveaway that Marie Madeline is a double agent. Because yeah. she's just shocked. Yeah. She's like, I can't believe this. Also, uh, the... I mean, continuing just political stuff, the fact that at the end, after they nuke France or just blow it all up, that, like, keep in mind, pointedly, that they are like, all right, they did this, so we gotta drop bombs. Like, they say that we are dropping bombs. Mr. Freedom is laying in the wreckage at the end, and Dr. Freedom asks him how it happened, and Mr. Freedom says the enemy destroyed his own country. Like, that is exactly uh, the way they phrase it. Not, we came in and, and destroyed everything up. the country trying to kill him, but, like, they did it. It was, they moved our hand. We I didn't want to do it, but I we had to do it. I could see how someone who has just blind loyalty to Amer to the United States could see this as very anti-American. Yeah, because, yeah. I mean, it's admitting 
things that we as Americans know that we've done, but we, we don't like to talk about it. We're not like Germany where we're like, yes, we did this terrible thing yeah. and we need to acknowledge it and teach future generations <laughs> about this terrible thing so it doesn't happen again. America's like, well, it happened in the past, so it'll never happen again. Right. Yeah. Whereas it continues to happen over and over and over. Ugh. But yeah, I could see like Donald Trump supporters being like, how dare this movie criticize freedom? Don't people in the United States know how lucky they are? I do want to talk about this a little bit, because um, I don't really know exactly what I think about it. Maybe you guys have some ideas. But I do want to talk about exactly what the symbolism of, like, of Red China Man is, because, like, just very pointedly, this movie is critiquing America, and then China, the shorthand for Chinese communism, because this is differentiated from like Russian communism, that's the presence of Mujik Man, uh, but ch uh, China is a giant inflated thing. Like, and, and one of the it does things, take up a lot of space. And More one, inflated than Mujik Man. Exactly. And then one thing, I, the one quote I did write down from Red China Man is Red China Man says, freedom is hopeless. And mm. think about what the stereotypes are of, like, communist China. Like, it isn't just, like, not America. It is in a lot, in a lot of ways in terms of how it runs because it, it runs a communist country. It, uh, and so, like, I was wondering, do you think there is any critique of China in this? Or is it just... Um... So I, I looked up on the Wikipedia page. It says that... Um... How do you say that? Mujik? Mujik Man is a Stalinist stand-in, and Red China Man is a Maoist stand-in. Oh, yeah. Stand -in. Makes sense, yeah. But otherwise, it doesn't really say anything else about them other than, you know, they end up escalating at the end to using Cold War tactics. Yeah, it doesn't really seem as much to me that they're criticizing those points as much as presenting them in, in the same sort of hyperbolic sense that Mr. Freedom would see them. So we more or less see them as Mr. Freedom sees them. As just like, like, they literalized that way. Same with like what we said with the French inflatable thing with its arms raised in the air. Mm -hmm. And um, even like how the, we see the supporters are like these like topless women and these men who are just like super excited. It's like everything is hyperbole. And so yeah, I, I, I do think I do think that the movie was not actually interested in that type of political critique. Yeah. Like, again, that's why we say the sledgehammer. This is not a subtle... Every time you say sledgehammer, I get that song stuck in my head, so you gotta stop. Well, you know, it's because we watched the trailer for Snow Angels, which opens with a reference to the song Sledgehammer. Maybe. Maybe that's also why I'm saying sledgehammer so much. Sledgehammer! But, uh, yeah. Um, and I was thinking, um, like... Uh, Mujik Man is like slightly inflated, and uh, Red China Man is very, very, very inflated. Yeah. And I felt like Mr. Freedom would have been like, "Hey, Mujik Man, you want to like defeat uh, China Man first, and then we can go at it." Like, yeah. He would have been like, "Yo, you want to do this side deal first? Well, that's kind of like, happening right now. I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or even because I was except like, we're not defeating anything other right. than we're being defeated. <laughs> and I was just wondering, like, cause I was thinking if I was going to assume that there was some sort of satirical element, it's the idea of like. Ru the th Russia's threat is slightly inflated. Like, it is 
realistic, but the way in which Americans see it is like a heightening of the actual threat that they represent. Mm. And then Chinese communism is drastically inflated. Like it is seen as this like a monster. It's a it is a dragon, so it is a literal monster. Well, yeah, that imagine is trying to fight to it. Use, where, but it's like it's also. Like, I mean, it's a balloon, so it's easily defeated. And also, it's inflated, which means that the actual thing that it is is much smaller. It is just being mm. seen. That's what I was trying to think. Like, is that intentional or is that just me reading into it? That might be something that's better interpreted on a second viewing. Yeah, and it's also, this is a movie that a person with a, a deeper political background or understanding of this part of world history could do better. We are very much coming at this from uh, the liberal point of view, but not necessarily the deeply informed point of view. Yeah. I think that's fair to say. Um, what are you talking about, Paul? Well, yeah, we're the smartest people in the world. Um, <laughs> and then the one last thing I had in my notes that I did want to bring up um, is because we, we talked about him being a fashion photographer and the most prominent fashion filmmaker right now that I know of is Tom Ford. And so I was uh, trying to Tom think. Ford. I was just trying to think about like I was thinking about nocturnal animals in uh. relation to this because nocturnal animals obviously has nothing to do plot wise with this at all. But there is that similar focus on the use of costume and production design and, and violence and violence. Yeah, and like, um, but oh, I, go see nocturnal animals. Please. But I just I know it's I, fashion filmmaking or not not fashion filmmaking, but the influence of the fashion industry on the people who leave it to become filmmakers is really interesting to me. I, I would like to know if there are more examples of this because obviously Mr. Freedom, it's such a huge part. Like the fashion is like the most entertaining element of it. And the nocturnal animals, it's not as prominent, but there's that still that feel like nocturnal animals is a totally different movie than anyone else would make it because of that like aesthetic influence that's brought to it and i do i would be interested to see more film make or more people make that leap what's the other movie that tom ford did a, a single, single man a single and man. i haven't seen a single man so i can't really speak to it too much uh and i've only seen nocturnal animals once so it's obviously I, it's not a thing i have a big frame of reference to build from but i wanted to at least bring it up because it's it's a clear connection well, we've talked about before how photographers make great filmmakers, because mm -hmm. Stanley Kubrick was a photographer. Yeah, right. yeah. Yeah. Well, and just being trained in another art form, Hitchcock was trained as a painter. Um, he was? Yeah. And so, it's what? but it's that, it's that ability to compose, where every... I don't know why, but when I think about Hitchcock painting, I almost think about George W. Yeah. Bush painting. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like it's just it's just preposterous to yeah. me. But they both are accomplished painters, I guess. George W. Bush is not an accomplished painter, dude. He's his, a painter. Yeah, but his he's paintings are pretty good. I know. I'm just saying, like, I, I hey, I'm just saying. Yeah. No, I'm not George saying George W. was not the greatest president, but he's a pretty good. He's painter. a better painter than president. Okay. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Yeah, I bet he, when he dies, we'll start seeing some of his paintings in museums. Yeah, that's nuts. Actually, doesn't he have his own museum? Doesn't Probably. every president get their own museum? Yeah. So yeah. that's what his museum will just turn into. It's <laughs> just portraits he's painted. Yeah. He's really into portraits. Yep. But anyway. Um, okay, I realized that we didn't prep Josh at all about Teachable Moment. Yeah, so Josh, at the end of every <laughs> Sorry, episode, Josh. we have to find something from the movie, uh, good or bad, okay. but you just say something that a viewer, 
uh, or a listener uh, who is who would watch the movie something that they could take from it, like some sort of objective thing that they could pick apart. And my example is something that I talked about a lot during the movie, but this is a great example of what it looks like when you are not subtle with your political critique. This is more so than anything to me, a movie that, uh, like if you really want to, to get a viewpoint across, uh, we talked about, I talked about this with Carrie beforehand, but the guy who plays Captain Formidable in his brief cameo appearances is Yves Montand. I'm probably pronouncing that wrong, but he's in Z. And Z came out, I think, like, the next year after this. But Z is a political movie about, like, it's inspired by a real-life assassination. And it makes you care about that assassination and then makes, at the end, leaves you on a note where you're furious about the state of politics in Greece. Even if, I like, I remember watching it and being like, oh, I want to do something. And it's like, oh, wait, this is, like, 1969 Greece. Like, Greece is way different. (laughs) has very different problems that I cannot solve. But it, like, that is a movie that does such a good job of, like, making its political critique uh, relevant despite the situation not being something you can relate to and making you feel it. And Mr. Freedom takes that as a given and... It, and so it's more just like, like I said before, it's preaching to the choir. And so if you watch it, it's a good, it's fun to watch, but you should watch it as an example of like what not to do with your political critique if you really want to sway someone. Because obviously someone who doesn't agree with this movie is going to think either you're mocking them and they're going to be put off by that. But they're, it, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. But they, they, won't, they won't be willing to hear you out. Or they'll think it's a stupid childish critique mm. because it's so silly and over the top and they won't actually try to engage with it. And also... Like we said, if they're trying to listen to a scene of dialogue uh, where people are talking, they might not actually be able to engage with it. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that is that is my teachable moment, is that this movie is a great example of, as I said before, and a term that I will coin officially and trademark right now, so everyone owes me money if you use political sledgehammer in a podcast. But there you go. What's that thing Trump always says? Trademark it. Trademark it. <laughs> Well, speaking of that, um, my uh, teaching moment feels like going back to that scene where Mr. Freedom goes into the hotel type room with Mary and they and she starts talking and I can't tell you what she was talking about, but he goes outside isn't she's outside he can't be listening to her yeah and she's probably saying things like this is what needs to happen this is what needs to happen and then it's just lost because you're watching him just not care. And it's pretty similar to what our times are right now of, of political people saying things and oh, us, yeah. like, no one's really caring um, and just going on with the American way. Um, it's easy so, to get distracted. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so it, watching the more uh, cartoonish type things in life, um, a.k.a. Mr. Freedom in this, in this movie, will uh, distract you from the real democracy, quote unquote, um, of what they're shooting for. Man, I don't think I could top that or even, like, <laughs> get close to it. I agree. Yeah, it is, like, a very... That's a good point. There is, like, a lot of stuff in that this movie that is, like, yeah. very pointedly relevant to our current situation. And it, definitely not even necessarily intentional. I don't know if he could have known that America oh, would yeah. still be in this fucking quagmire. Yeah. <laughs> of, of, like, this, like, sort of mental, psychological situation. But here we are. So, yeah. 
Man, I gotta go last, and I'm always the worst at teachable moments. Just but give it a shot. okay, there's so there's a lot of things that you can. There are so many yeah. things, and I feel like I could echo uh, something I've said before, which is how important costumes and sets are. Uh, you know, like those two things can really save a movie. Um, and I think in this case, if those two things weren't oh, yeah. happening, this movie would be unwatchable. I mean, yeah. it would not be as fun. Yeah, definitely. Or enjoyable to watch. But I, um, I actually wanted to touch on a word that Paolo kept saying, which is hyperbole. Um, and this movie is very hyperbolic, but I think that, uh, hyperbole lends itself to comedy. And I think that's why this movie is funny. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, the political commentary, sometimes it's funny, but it's more about the fact that they go way over the top with it. Like the whole supermarket scene. Yeah. Like that movie, that scene is funny because... The products are stacked all the way to the top. And the and joke is immediate, so you're like, oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> Another point to that is when he, he's on that stage again, and he's talking about kind of giving his background. He's like, I did this. I was in the coal mines. I was doing this. It was just like talking about any scenario of the American dream and being like, <laughs> but I came through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And at the same time that you're listening to his speech, you're seeing the hyperbole of a pep rally where you've got people who are wearing shirts that just have a giant F on them for freedom and there's people who have stars painted on their faces and there's women wearing um, sequenced uh, American flags and, you know, it's just everything is so over the top and it, that really lends itself to comedy and I feel like lately in a lot of the comedies that I've seen, things have been very muted. Everything has yeah. to be realistic and based... Almost PC. Yeah, very PC and, like, mm -hmm. based very much in real time. And part part of why movies like Airplane and uh, Doctor Strangelove are in the American canon of best comedies is because they are over the top. Yeah. They are ridiculous. Like, you don't want... I mean, that Mel Brooks. This is yeah. Mel Brooks' whole career. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's why, for me, this movie really works, besides, you know, the sets and the costumes, is because it's so over the top, and that's what makes it funny. And so, yeah, that I guess that's my... No, that's a good point, yeah. Okay. I, hyperbole definitely is the driving factor. <laughs> I mean, that's the key idea behind this movie. Is yeah. like, what if we took what I feel about politics and made them as big, or as Brent said, boo, 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 boo. Yeah. yeah. That's why it's a great a, description of that, that movie. That is a good description. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. All right. Well, wow. I guess that's it. We were really pretty succinct on this one. We powered through it. Boom. That was okay. good. Yeah. Well, thanks for coming, Josh. Thanks we for hope you'll, Yeah. We hope we'll come back for another discussion Sounds of great. a we'll make him come crazy back. movie. Let's find another American movie. <laughs> well, this has been The Secret Cinema. I'm Paolo. I'm Carrie. I'm Josh. Thanks for listening. Thanks, Josh. Bye. 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 We'll always beat them with star-spangled freedom. Secret Cinema is produced and edited by Paolo Corona. All theme songs and original music are written and performed by Ricardo Ortiz. Any additional music or samples are taken from the film featured on this week's episode. All logos and artwork are created by Carrie Chapin. You can follow Carrie on Instagram at Carrie Saw This and see more of her artwork at www.carriechapin.com. 
You can watch Paolo short films at www.vimeo.com slash or read more of his ramblings about film at www.letterbox.com slash Follow The Secret Cinema on Instagram at Secret Cinema Podcast, on Twitter at Covert Celluloid, or like us on Facebook. Secret Cinema is a commentary and criticism podcast, and its use of film dialogue and film music for illustrative purposes falls under the fair use provisions of U.S. copyright law. The Secret Cinema is a product of Larry Lake Productions. All rights reserved. Thanks for listening. Freedom. And oh, can you see them? We